This is Neijing Now, prioritizing well-being. Neijing is the vitality that shields us from disease. Neijing Now, demystifying medicine, cultivating resilience, empowering host resistance, prioritizing primary prevention. I'm Dr. Jayshree Chander. I welcome you to another short clip exploring Neijing Now. I'm speaking with Anand Gandhi. He's a filmmaker from Mumbai. And he's here in the Bay Area, and we're delighted to have Mr. Anand Gandhi here in person to talk to us about his film. Welcome to Neijing Now. Thank you, Jason. First of all, I want to congratulate you on the film, Ship of Theseus. It's absolutely brilliant, beautiful, deep, moving, entertaining, thought-provoking, but also mind-changing. Well, thank you. That's very validating. So, Ship of Theseus has received. Incredible response! Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? It's been very warmly received, and it's really wonderful to see that an introspection and a meandering、uh, introspection that can find resonance with such a huge number of people around the world. The stories are also engaging and so artistically delivered, and the cinematography is beautiful. The music, the acting is impeccable. The costuming, everything about this film is just brilliant. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Would you like to just tell the audience what the film is about? Well, hopefully the film works on many layers. But the story of the film is a fiction narrative. Follows three characters. Follows the story of a blind photographer. When she gains her eyesight back, she gets a cornea transplant and she gets an eyesight back. She finds it difficult to look at the world the way she was able to when she was blind. The second story is about a monk who's spent his entire life fighting litigations against. Animal right violations, you know, in slaughterhouses and pharmacy labs, and he's ailing, and he has to take medication that has been derived either from animals or have been tested on animals, and he finds that contradictory to his principles. It's about that dilemma, and it's about this opportunity that he has to re-question and re-examine all the ideas he's taken for granted in his life. And there's a story of a stockbroker. Who, according to his grandmother, who's an activist, is guilty of apathy. Is guilty of not engaging with the world, with his environment, with the society, with the community. He finds this opportunity to engage with his environment and empathize with it when he comes across this very poor laborer whose kidney has been stolen in a kidney racket in India. He decides to follow the trail of that stolen kidney, and the trail leads him to the recipient in Sweden. And he goes and meets the recipient, and the third story revolves around that confrontation. They seem like they're all three separate stories, and yet there's a thread that ties all of them together. Tell me about how that came about for you in writing this screenplay. There were lots of concerns and ideas that have been compelling for a very long period of time. A lot of questions about identity that have inspired me and that have moved me and that have kind of informed every single aspiration of mine. The question of who I am, where do I come from, how did I get here, and what possible meaning can I make of my existence? How can I respond to this humongously infinite cosmic void beyond me, outside of humanity and outside of life on this planet? Which makes the life on this planet infinitely small and infinitely insignificant. And how how do you relate to this dichotomy? All these questions had to come together in a way that would help me translate the abstract, the cerebral, the intellectual to the intuitive, to the experiential, to the visceral, to the immediate. And the film was informed by that aspiration. It's so amazing because at one level it just 
seems like it's a plug for organ transplantation. It's like the glorious infomercial <laughs> to inspire us to donate our organs when we pass. And at the same time, what it is for you is something so much deeper and so much bigger. Well, we must realize that we are, as individuals, a part of a great continuum. We are waves in a great ocean. We are, we are ripples in a great lake of existence. And we are also engaging with a constant oscillation between completely polar forces, completely opposite forces of chaos and order, of causal determinism and quantum probability of life and death, of completely polarizing experiences inform our life and our existence. And the only real meaning we could have is to transcend beyond our individual selves and participate in the larger whole of life itself. And one way of doing that would be to allow the organs of our body that are still alive after death, they are usable for at least 24-48 hours, to let them be used by human beings who are still alive and need them badly. So that is definitely something I strongly believe in, but I didn't want the film to be didactic, I didn't want the film to be a preachy infomercial, I wanted the film to have many questions and many concerns and many ideas, many answers hopefully, and trigger a lot of discourse and conversation around things that are relevant to us. So the film talks about a lot of other things beyond organ transplants as well. Absolutely. It was so successful in doing that, in being deep and rich and multifaceted and multidimensional and in provoking thought and conversations. And I thought it was absolutely not preachy. Uh, many films might preach to the choir, so to speak. And this is a film that actually, it doesn't bonk you over the head with it. It's like you feel inspired to donate your organs. It's almost like you can't wait to donate your organs. Uh, for me, I thought it was a mind-changing film. Not that I was against it, but it was like actually inspirational in that. The question of identity. I think this is a big question that causes a lot of suffering in the world. We identify with our bodies, and to share your body is like the ultimate act of generosity. It's like sharing your actual life and breath with someone. Ship of Theseus, talk about that a little bit. So the title alludes to a thought experiment put forward by Plutarch many years ago. So Plutarch looked at the ship of Theseus that needed repairs after a decade of being built. Some of the planks on the ship were replaced by new planks. And another decade later, some gearing systems were replaced, some levers were replaced, some cogs were replaced. Over a period of a century, each and every single part of the original ship had been replaced with new parts. The question arises, is it still the ship of Theseus? If every single part is a new part. Yeah. What if the parts that have been thrown out of the original ship have been put together and to build another ship? Which of the two, if either, is the real ship of Theseus? Now, let's look at all organic life and let's look at human beings. Over a period of seven years, every single cell of our body has been replaced. While you can argue that there is a lot of information that stays constant, the genome, the genetic information in, in the cell that informs the cell stays the same. So the question arises, what is it that stays the same and what is it that's changing completely when every single part has been replaced? We experience all kinds of shifts. We experience changes and transformations physically, physiologically, psychologically, ideologically if you're fortunate. The question arises then, while we experience this ontological continuity of cells, are we still the same person? And as a species, are we still the same species we were 30,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago? When we accept that sense of continuum, when we accept that we are in a constant state of fluxus, while also in a constant state of continuum with our entire past, not just past of 
one generation or two generations but a past of 3 billion 4 billion years of life evolving on this planet when we accept that it's possible to be both at the same time to be in a constant state of fluxus be in a constant state of change and transformation while continuing to accumulate residual information and experiences of the past and both are not necessarily mutually exclusive but coexisting and synergetic forces of life then we can resolve a lot of our current problems lot of our political problems lot of our economic problems lot of our understanding of ourselves as a species we can be more empathetic we can be more compassionate we can be more foresighted it's very important to kind of resolve these problems philosophically understand the foundation of some of these ideas so that we can apply them in our life in our culture in our in the way we live and learn profound absolutely profound there's so many levels of this i mean at the very basic level 7 years we have a brand new body essentially uh, that might explain the 7 year itch that people get in their marriages <laughs> and you're saying let's recognize that every single atom in our body is originating in the big bang and that we all share that history and that continuity and that we all share our atoms and we can share our organs and when we recognize that possibility then there's hope for resolving all the conflicts in the world this is like really deep <laughs> and really inspirational and hopeful and it's also what the great sages have all said is ask the question who are you and understand yourself there is a great amount of wisdom that we have inherited from the past and a lot of it has not been put through the rigor of scientific infrastructure and i think we shouldn't be shy of doing that there is a huge amount of wisdom that has been passed on from one generation to another especially in some parts of the world that share a direct continuum with histories dating back to 3000 4000 6000 years from a time that had great insights in life and in continuity but did not have the tools that we have today and i don't think we should be shy in applying those tools and applying the rigor that we have evolved over the last couple of 100 years to those insights and find new inferences and and marry the wisdom of the past and the scientific rigor of today absolutely and actually your film is a perfect example of sharing questions and ideas and philosophy and science everything that we have created outside of human biology that has not been passed on genetically is technology culture science society political systems institutions applied technologies etc they all technologies their constructs their contracts there are their structures that are passed on from one generation to another each time having the residual wisdom of the past generation or sometimes residual mistakes of the past generations they keep evolving we can be wiser about it we can collectively agree upon the future that we see for humanity and reverse engineer social contracts and political systems based on that aspiration. Uh, yes, again we have to recognize who we are and what we share. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it, it's really important to constantly realize that we are in a pool of the collective. We are a small neuron in the universal brain of sort. You know, we're a small atom in the in the universal molecule. We are parts of a larger system in time and space and we need to accept and engage with that continuum that will help us with empathy that will help us with compassion that will help us with generosity with living together and that will also discourage the biggest problem of our history which is the manufacturing of the other 
each time we have manufactured the other it's been possible to kill the other to murder the other to block the other suppress suppress etc absolutely and you know the other is is somebody who is not us the other is another race another community another religion another belief system another another something another nationality another gender exactly and we keep manufacturing the other over and over again and that's been one large mistake and once we understand the continuum that we share with the past and the future the continuum with we share with each other it'll be much easier for us to not construct the other over and over again very well said is there anything else you'd like to share about the concept the process the product your experience well for us ship of thesis is an icebreaker the studio that we are building out of india right now it's a media house and it's called recycle wala labs r e c y c l e w a l a recycle wala lab like rickshaw wala but recycle wala right right how did you choose that name I mean it's a long story it started with our love for bicycles and cycles uh, so it was cycle wala at first we were making short films and plays as cycle wala and we started becoming a media house making feature films documentaries web channels a lot of things that we want to launch out of uh, that part of the world which we hope to share with the rest of the world not just the indian diaspora or not just indian audiences but really share that culture our appropriation of that wisdom with the world over and when we wanted to do that we thought it, it's a new chapter in our lives and it's it was hence recycle wala it also meant people who who love recycling and we do so i'd really just request everyone to keep an eye on what we're doing and participate in what we're doing recyclewalafilms.com uh, it's going to be recyclewalafilms.com but right now it's on twitter recyclewala on facebook it's recyclewala labs and you can just google recyclewala and you'd come to us for sure So R E C Y C L E W A L A. That's right. Uh one more question. Why do you call it an icebreaker? Because it's a beginning of a conversation for us. It's a beginning of a dialogue. It's kind of also a sharing back and responding and replying to a dialogue that has been largely one way, one sided for a very long time. And what I mean by that is this, sitting in India, you're informed by an influx of culture from the world. Growing up in India in the 90s and early 2000s, my friends and I consumed a huge amount of culture cinema television literature philosophy science from europe and especially from the us and this is our opportunity to give back to that dialogue so for us it's 15 years of listening and now it's uh, stepping stone towards a conversation towards a conversation and making it a dialogue ah oh, fantastic i like that fantastic the film won some awards too yeah tell us about it don't be shy <laughs> Uh, well, it's been again very warmly received. Dubai International Film Festival gave it the Best Actress Award for Aida's performance. Uh, Neeraj Kabi received one award in India. I'm trying to remember which one was that. Transylvania Film Festival gave it the Best Film Award and the Best Cinematography Prize. Tokyo International Film Festival gave it the Best Artistic Contribution Prize for Cinematography. Mumbai International Film Festival gave it the Best Technical Award for Cinematographic Vision. Hong Kong gave it Humanity Prize. London Film Festival gave it Sutherland Jury Special Mention. The Critics Circle UK put it on a list of. 15 films that the critics found life changing while they were celebrating their century their centenary so yeah people have been kind to the film fantastic congratulations it's been a real pleasure talking to you and if somebody wants to see your film there are a couple of ways one would be to get in touch with indie meme i n d i e m e m e indie meme are distributors here in in the us another way would be to google us and find out what's happening on our facebook on our twitter pages we keep updating what's going on and if somebody who is curious about our work is enthusiastic enough to help us out it'll be wonderful to participate find distribution for us arrange a screening arrange screenings 
bring the film here, release them, release it in theaters because that's exactly what we need to do from here on. Can anybody buy a DVD? Definitely. The film hopefully should be on one of the local channels like Netflix or iTunes or something like that. It's a really brilliant film. I encourage everyone to see it. Thank you Anand. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jesse. That was Mr. Anand Gandhi, a filmmaker from Mumbai, India. I'm Dr. Jayashree Chandar, creator of Naging Now, a podcast about prioritizing well-being. On the web at neijingnow.org. Naging Now is independent and entirely listener-supported. If you enjoyed the clip, please share it with your friends. Like us on Facebook and donate generously. Your support is essential to keeping Naging Now alive.